Welcome. Uh, my name is David Brackenridge. I'm a local. Went to school at Huntsville High, born in Toronto. And for the past uh, 12 years or more, I've been traveling, uh, teaching English in um, some pretty remote areas of Southeast Asia. Uh, I went there originally uh, to shoot um, an indie documentary about marine animals, sea turtles specifically. Uh, but uh, I kept going back again and again because of the nature and because of the culture and all of the many subjects for documentaries. And uh, but in 2018, I found new subject matter. Indonesia is one of the most corrupt countries in the world. I think it's one below Pakistan. So I knew that at some point I was going to have a run in with that side of the country because uh, through through no fault of my own, I landed in a refugee detention center for 35 days in November of 2018. The English center that I was working for called EF Banjarmasin, they fell behind on my paperwork. And rather than own up to it, they paid off immigration to remove their name as my legal sponsor, which meant that I was then held responsible. And so I was left to sit in a cell in a detention center for the next 35 days. I think there were around 28 other people in the detention center. Most of them were from Afghanistan. There were some people from uh, Somalia and also uh, and also another man from Iran. Uh, Abbas Jabari was the, the man's name and he had been in there for seven years and his only crime was that he converted from Islam to Christianity and that is forbidden in Iran. And so I spent my time sometimes playing chess with Abbas and Aiden. And I also made contacts with people such as Izat. And we're going to hear from Izat today. Izat is a volunteer English teacher over in Makassar, Sulawesi, Indonesia. He's a volunteer only because uh, refugees are not legally allowed to have an income for up to seven or eight years that they are held in a detention center which really is just a euphemism for minimum security prison. Uh, Izat is just uh, one of tens of contacts I have on my social media. These people whose faces I used to see on the news are now my friends and they exude this true positivity and optimism that cannot be feigned and is has been fostered because that is the only way that they get by every day. These people are truly in limbo. Welcome, Mr. Izad. First of all, tell us, where do you come from? Hi, my name is Izatullah. My home country is Afghanistan. I grew up in Jaguri district in Ghazni province. Uh, Ghazni province is partially mountainous, but Jaguri is very mountainous in particular. There are high mountains. It was very beautiful once, now it has changed. It has changed because it's not secure. It's been attacked by Taliban quite often. Who are the Hazaras people? Could you tell me more about uh, the Hazaras? Thank you. Uh, Hazaras are an ethnic group predominantly located in central Afghanistan. Mostly they are Shiite Muslims. They are the third largest population in Afghanistan. Hazaras are peaceful people. Education is really important to them, actually. 
is that hopefully you have some good memories about Afghanistan. What was it like long ago? And could you share some of those memories with us? Thanks. Well, overall, as far as I remember, I don't, I don't have any good memories from Afghanistan since my whole life has been passed in the world of migration, except for one. In 2012, after 14 years of exile, when I returned back to settle in Jaguri, Ghazni, I received a lot of love, admiration, and reverence from the youth particularly, who supported me to establish my own English language institute. They invited me to banquets, parties, educational gatherings, and other useful activities as though I was a professor for them. But that was not the fact. Uh, this was uh, took me to the highest mountain of the area. I remember that is a part of the best memories I have from Afghanistan. Uh, and every day I received laughs, sometimes more than, uh, more than I deserved, actually. So is that in 2011, Obama... Uh, took many soldiers out of Afghanistan, and uh, this made quite a few problems. I would just like to know how this might have affected you. After the withdrawal of the U.S. troops in 2011, Taliban attacks gained momentum, and by the time I went back to Afghanistan, things had worsened. Surely the highways and the connecting routes specifically became unsafe. I believe if the withdrawal didn't happen, I would not be here in this limbo in a detention center. Uh, is that... I hope you don't mind me asking. Why are there so many Hazaras refugees? Hazaras are persecuted openly because of their religious traditions and their race. Various groups of terrorists throughout the years have killed many innocent Hazaras people and the government hasn't done anything really. They are stopped, taken hostage, killed and thrown away. I'm talking about the Hazaras. This happens to students, passengers, teachers, policemen, in fact to everyone. Everyone from, from all walks of life, as long as they are Hazaras. And because of our ethnic background, we, we are easy to, to be recognized. Uh, I mean to say that we are the soft target. The hardline Sunnis are everywhere and therefore they have even beheaded children and Hazara women. Hazaras fear living in Afghanistan as government has apparently failed to protect them and that's why we flee our own homelands to find safety in other countries and places. So is that many people don't know that when you have to flee to another country uh, without following the proper channels, uh, you are not automatically a refugee that sometimes it takes years just to get refugee status through UNHCR, which is the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. How long did it take you to get refugee status? I arrived in Indonesia in November 2013. My RSD uh, interview was in April 2015 by the time uh, I was in Immigration Detention Center and UNHCR United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees recognized me as a refugee on December 22nd, 2015. So the detention centers in Indonesia are called offshore detention centers, although uh, where are they offshore from? Well, they are considered offshore from Australia, even though they are in the country of Indonesia. 
these uh, detention centers in Indonesia are funded by the International Organization of Migration Australia, IOM Australia, as a way of cutting costs because, because standards of living and cost of living in Indonesia doesn't have to comply to any sort of uh, norm that one would expect as a refugee in Australia. So what I understand from meeting Aiden and all of your friends over there is that is that IOM Australia uh, is continually offering you guys money to return to Afghanistan, even though it, it's quite obvious that that's not an option. Um, if you don't mind me asking, how much does IOM Australia offer to pay you to go back to your country? Well, the offer is uh... 2000 I guess I don't have any clue about it since it's not the possibility that I can ever consider that's how dangerous it is back there I cannot go back to my country is that you're a long way from Afghanistan uh, I would just like to know uh, it must have been an incredible journey to arrive in uh, Sulawesi in Indonesia how did it happen how was the journey I fled Afghanistan by car to Pakistan, from Pakistan to Thailand by air, and from Thailand to Malaysia by car and on foot, and the last from Malaysia to Indonesia by boat. The entire journey was planned by the human traffickers, and I just followed their plans. It was my only option. So can you tell us, what is your accommodation like? And can you go outside? Can you move about freely? I was taken into detention center in May 2014 and I remained there till February 2016. Afterwards, they released me into a community house, which is not much different than a detention center, except there is curfew. Uh, my movements are curtailed as I'm strictly forbidden to travel out of the city. I have no right to work, no access to education and no, and no right to travel. Last year, I wanted to go for a walk. I had to fill out a form and submit it to a registered guard and the security officials who are employed by immigration, uh, by immigration detention center, actually. We also do not have the right to have anyone visit us. So is that, I hope you don't mind if I bring up some sensitive topics. I want to know, uh, because I heard many other stories from Aiden and others in Balikpapan. When you first arrived at the detention center, of course, Indonesia has the largest population of Sunni Muslims in the world. So do you think that you were treated differently? Do you think that you were treated differently because you are a Shiite Muslim and not a Sunni Muslim? Oh, uh, yeah. The way we are treated is like aliens. Sunni Muslims, immigrants were preferred and favored by immigration officials in most cases. Suppose by the time I was taken into detention, IUM had a program in which they used to take 15 immigrants out to a park and swimming or other recreational places for, for a day. The Indonesian staff or Sunni Muslim themselves picked the Sunni Muslim immigrants first and in terms of supplying the kitchen appliances and goods, the Sunni Muslims usually get uh, first pick and I need to remind you that this is what's happening under IUM Australia. The Australian international organization of migration who pays for all of us to be kept here i don't think many people know about us even sorry to ask you such a heavy question is that 
But when I was in the detention center, I did hear stories of other refugees, other individuals in the detention center trying to commit suicide. And I was just wondering if you've had any experience with that yourself, if other people around you have attempted suicide. There were some attempted suicides in detention center, yes. One man couldn't speak English, so I was his translator before that that happened. And how about trying to escape from the detention center? Have there been other people uh, who have successfully escaped or tried to escape? Tell me any story that you have on this, please. A month before I actually was detained, a group of Rohingya refugees tried to escape. Some of them made it and reached the other side of the walls while the other fell and broke his leg. After I was released into community housing, I have some more memories about that. Some of my fellow refugees escaped. There were two tall uh, walls topped with barbed wire, or so escaping was unthinkable to me, actually. However, some of my friends successfully managed to escape the detention center, and now they live in Jakarta. Uh, I think they don't do anything in Jakarta, and there are some other NGOs to support them but at least they are not in, de in de detention center anymore. No, they, they do not have passports and they do not have, except the, the documents that is given by UNICEF, they, they don't have other documents at all. What many people don't understand about detention centers is that there is this sort of malaise. There is this sort of feeling that things are going to change tomorrow and that feeling continues for months on end. For some people, it continues for years on end. Uh, really, these people live in the dark and they're just hoping to hear good news at any moment. And really, it could be at any moment. And that is almost uh, tormenting uh, when you're in there. So it's very important that you have a hobby and that you stick to it. Um, during my single month in there, I did a lot of yoga and I also did a lot of video editing and writing and also a bit of photography uh, on the inside to try and portray uh, what it was like to be in there, my experience, my very brief experience of being in there. So uh, some people take photos, some people write, some people teach English. How about you? Is that what are your hobbies in there? What do you do? to keep your mind occupied and, and to keep your mind away from that, that very base state of just simply waiting. I enjoy reading books, teaching English as a second language to my fellow refugees, regardless of their background. I also write stories and sometimes I try to play a musical instrument called Dambura, which is a part of our culture. Uh, and I know that that is a significant part of our culture, by the way. It's like a guitar, but has a very specific sound, which reminds us of how Afghanistan was once a beautiful place with strong cultures and much more tolerance, I guess. So according to IOM Australia, each refugee in Indonesia receives 300 Australian dollars a month from them. 300 Australian dollars a month in Indonesia is actually quite a lot of money. Uh, having spoken with other refugees in Balikpapan, I know that uh, most people never see a dollar of this money. 
by the time it gets down to them, all that's left is uh, just vegetables and rice and chicken. Because according to the Indonesian officials, that is equivalent to about $300 a month, including the price of a room. And a room might sleep eight people in one without really any actual mattresses. So how about yourself, Izzat? Have you ever seen any of this money before from IOM Australia? I have no idea about that, to be honest. I received, I received here like... Uh... 1250,000 Indian Indonesian rupiah which is close to very close to 100 US dollars for my monthly expenses like food transportation clothing and other personal needs I don't know how much it pays for the room that I share with one of my fellow refugees it's never discussed with us well, is that myself? I would love to hear good news one day, saying that Afghanistan is becoming a better place and uh, perhaps a more welcoming and safe place. Do you think that's possible or, or do you think it'll get worse before it gets better? I wish my home country would get better, but the fact is the other way around. It gets worse. It gets worse day by day. Taliban gains more territories. They are becoming indomitable since November of last year. Taliban have had multiple attacks on Jawari, killing dozens of people and displacing thousands. Roads and passageways are being closed and fear is surging. It's really not looking good. I'm afraid, yes. Afghanistan is not safe and therefore I cannot return back. If they get me deported, I will not stay in Afghanistan. I will have to run for my life. According to a report released in the beginning of the 2019, Afghanistan has uh, fallen even behind Syria in terms of stability and security. Basically, Afghanistan is the most unsafe country on this planet. At this moment, if I return back, my fate will be death. I know that because the Taliban never forgive people who go against their laws. Besides, my religious caste and ethnicity will also add weight to their excuses to get rid of me. It's just not an option, I'm afraid. If there were option, I wouldn't be here. It's like being a minimum security in, in prison. Great. So is that when I was in Balikpapan, I heard stories that, you know, sometimes there were eight people sleeping in one small room. How many people are in your room now? In my current accommodation, we are two in, in one room, but in immigration detention center, we were four people cramped in a tiny room. Great. So is that, um, who is Javad Hazara? I've heard a lot about this man and his photography. How has he managed to stay above it all and to focus on honing this, this art form, which he does incredibly well? His photos are terrific. Uh, please tell me more about Javad. Okay, Javed Najafi is, is his real name. He is one of my best friends. I have seen a lot of people struggle against the malaise of this place, but, but the way Javed pulled it off was extraordinary. He has persevered and remain, remains hardworking. I have seen him taking multiple online courses sponsored by UNICEF, and he has passed them with flying colors. He's the big wig of his residency, he facilitates communications between other refugees in IEM and UNICEF, helps his fellow refugees with their medical issues, and on top of all, he spends his full time 
on photography. He loves it, and I'm sure one day the world will be proud of him. Really, his photography is beautiful, though he doesn't even have a proper camera. Okay, so is that uh, I am a filmmaker, you know, that is what I like to do is I, I like to document and I like to tell stories. And uh, how about yourself? What is your dream job? What would you like to do? And what would you like to achieve? My dream job is to have my own business. Apart from that, I want to be a YouTuber through which I can inspire other people around the world as a teacher, as a refugee, uh, telling my story to the people and my story to the people will be that however hardships stops you from doing what you want don't stop go forward try it never give up because at the end of the tunnel there is a light just keep faith believe in yourself and go forward you're an english teacher so already that's kind of breaking away from the norm Although you have said in, in Hazaras culture, education is very important. What other things do you want to do? Do you want to do those traditional things? Do you want to just get married and have children? Uh, like most of the people, yes. I want to get married and have children, but there is a condition to it. I want to give my child or children a childhood unlike my own. I never had a father growing up, you see? Well, thank you so much for sharing, Izzat. It's been really terrific to hear your stories. Do you have any more to add for us today? Is there anything you'd like to share with us? If by any chance I would be given options for my future country, I, I, I will instantly choose Canada over all the other countries. Last year, I had my application for private sponsorship submitted, but unfortunately, the community through which I had to be sponsored had issues and therefore the Canadian immigration disqualified all the application and my application was returned. We are very close to Australia, but when you talk to the refugees, most of them, they are, uh, they are mostly in love with Canada. I hope that one day uh, I will be able to get new sponsors and they get me into Canada because I just love that country. Well, is that I am amazed at your English abilities. And I'm sure that you're a terrific teacher. I hope you find uh, some opportunities there uh, to occupy yourself until one day and hopefully soon you get some good news. I'll be following your story is that online. And I really hope that the situation for the Hazaras and for yourself in Makassar improves sometime very soon. Thank you for sharing so openly with us and hopefully we'll have some ideas on other ways that we can collaborate to tell your story and to tell the story of your friends. You've been through more than most people I know, and yet you've stayed sharp and on the ball. Is that I hope that you inspire other refugees to keep going, to push forwards, to study. Good luck to you, Is that, and we'll talk again soon, okay? Thank you. Thank you so much.